Titus. To the book of Titus. Uh, right before the book of Hebrews. We spent a lot of time in Hebrews at the end of last year. Um, and so kind of right before Hebrews would be the book of Titus. There's a little book called Philemon right before Hebrews. It's only one chapter, and then you get uh, right before that the book of Titus. We're uh, second week of our series on the gospel and hope. And last week we looked at uh, how the gospel brings hope to your life. And then what we're trying to do is in the midst of this series, just think about how different areas of our lives, how the gospel would bring hope into the different areas of our lives. And this week, we're looking at the gospel and your work. Uh, some of you are like, oh, if the gospel could get me out of my work, that, that would be a good thing. Um, but anyway, I pray that uh, you'll begin to see hope uh, for your life and, and in the midst of how God can use you right where, where you are in the midst of your job or your vocation. So for some of you, that means at your school because you're in the midst of preparing to enter into the workforce. And so for some of you, that means it's, 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 it's God using you right where you are at your school. And for others of you who are not employed, maybe at this stage of retirement, how he can still use you and just thinking about um, and how you can minister to your family and, and different avenues of ministry there. So Titus chapter 2, stand with me. We're going to start in verse 11 and then read all the way down through chapter 3 verse 8. And so, with your Bibles open, let's read this together. Words will be on the screen. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous, who are eager for good works. Declare these things, exhort and rebuke with all authority, let no one disregard you. Remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarrel, to be gentle, and to show perfect courtesy toward all people. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. When the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, He saved us. Not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to His own mercy. By the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior. So that being justified by His grace, we might become heirs according to the hope eternal life. Now, this saying is trustworthy, and I want you to insist I want you to insist on these things, so that those who believe in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. These things are excellent and profitable for people. And Father, this is the reading of your word. This is your word to us for this day. Now, Lord, open up our hearts and our minds 
that we might be able to understand it. We might grow and become more like you as a result of it. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You guys go ahead and be seated. Some of us have a trouble have trouble remembering what happened um, yesterday. And so I realize it may be a daunting task for you to remember uh, something I said on Christmas Day. Uh, but for those of you who are here, we looked at the shepherds and their rejoicing and, and their worship of newborn baby Jesus on Christmas Day. And the interesting thing about, about that, one of the things we noted was when they went and they found baby Jesus, here's what they did. They returned to being shepherds. They went back to doing what God had called them to do, namely being shepherds, but they returned as different people. And they, they began to worship and to glorify God and began to, that because they had found baby Jesus, that made an impact on how they lived their lives. And one of the guys I quoted on Christmas Day, his name is, is, Bob, is Bob Roberts, and he talks about the different areas that every culture has. Every single, single culture, whether you're living in poverty or you're, you're living within like this, this great you know, culture like you know, what we have here in America, he says every society would have these different domains. You would have agriculture and water, uh, social and civil society. You'd have education, communication, science and technology, government, medical, and economics. And he said the church flourishes best when the people who are called by God, when, when the people who are followers of Christ, when they enter into the, their, in their respective domains, their respective areas of, of, of trade or vocation, and they live out their faith within these different areas. And he said one of the dangers of the church is we want to make religion, and in Christian or whatever religion, but we want to make church or religion a separate domain. He said we want to live out our faith within, within this aspect of society over here. He said the church will always, struggle if we view it like that. He said, rather, what we need to do is the church needs to go forth on mission and to live out their faith in each and every one of those domains. And in a nutshell, what he's saying is exactly right. Christians are those who live out their faith in their work life, wherever that may be. And you know, sometimes people like me, people who are, you know, and I use this sarcastically, in ministry, we do you guys a terrible disservice. Because it is wrong for you to look at me and say, well, that's the preacher. He's the one who does ministry. That's not true. I mean, I, yeah, do I do ministry? Sure. But you're called into ministry, too. You know, we have this idea. Oh, man, uh, you're called into ministry. Well, so are you. If you are a follower of Christ, you've been called to serve Jesus. And the best place that you can do that is not within the context of a local church. The best place you can do that is the place where God's called you to work. I want you to think about this. The average American spends somewhere around 90 thousand hours in his lifetime at work. 90,000 hours. If you are born into a Christian family, 
and they take you to church two hours a week from the time you were born and you say you live to be 75 and you go two hours a week, you're going to go to church somewhere around 8,000 hours in your life. So you tell me, where's the greatest opportunity for you to make a big impact in the kingdom of God? Now, am I saying that we, we don't need volunteers and, and help in, in doing the ministry, some of the ministry that, that we're doing here in Bethel? No, I'm not saying that at all. In uh, fact, we, we we're always in need of volunteers, it seems like. But here's what I'm saying. If you don't take your place of ministry, your place of employment very seriously as your mission field, you're missing out on what God's called you to do in your life. Now, as we go through this series, I want to kind of remind you of our vision as we think about this. The vision is going to be on the screen. You guys say it with me. Bethel Baptist Church exists to make mature disciples of Jesus Christ here, there, and everywhere. And so our task is, first of all, before we think about anything else, to make mature disciples of Jesus Christ here. And that begins with you all. That begins with you becoming the person that God has called you to be. And I want you to answer this question. Don't answer it out loud, but just at some point you need to think clearly about this question. Can I be a mature disciple of Jesus Christ if I'm not seeking to make disciples? Think about it. Can you be a mature disciple of Jesus Christ if you're not seeking out others to build up in their faith? Here's my answer to that for you. If the Great Commission, what Jesus said in Matthew 28, is to all believers, and it is, I mean, there's no other way to deny that, that we are to go forth as the body of Christ and to make disciples of all nations, then I don't see, and I'm just being as honest and as transparent as I can, I don't see how anybody can call themselves a mature disciple. I'm not saying you're not saved. I'm I'm just saying you can't, I don't see how you can call yourself a true mature disciple if you're not seeking to do that, which Jesus has commanded you to do. I say that very humbly. I'm saying I was, I, I've been there, I've struggled with this in, in my own life too. But it's a calling that God has called us to do. And in our passage this morning, I want to focus on what the, the work that God has called you to do. And I pray, here, here's, here's what I prayed for this message. I pray that by the end of our message today, that you see your job more as a place where you go and get a paycheck, but a place where God has called you hope you see that by the end of our time together this morning. So very quickly, I want to walk through three, three truths, if you will, as it relates to, to you and, your, and your, your place of employment, and a place where you go and spend a lot of your time as a place where you could do ministry. First of all, I want you to see the motivation for, for, for our employment, for our work. Now, notice what the text says. The grace of God has appeared bringing salvation for all people. Now, that's not just those in the church. That salvation is for all people. It's offered to everyone. Now, verse 12 is training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. Now, here's the reason, verse 13. Because we are waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. 
what he's referring to there at verse 13 is very clearly the second coming of Jesus Christ. We worship Jesus. We, we, we celebrate his day of birth. We remember that on Christmas Day. Uh, but 8 to 1, for every one prophecy about the first coming of Christ, there are eight prophecies about his second coming. And so we believe we are a people who are united in our belief that there is coming a day when Jesus Christ is going to return. And what God is saying to us here in this passage is that because we are a people that recognize that there's going to come a day when Jesus returns and then it's too late for people to trust in him for salvation at that time, it should motivate us to be concerned about where people will spend their eternity. And so think about it this way. God has called you to be in the world, but you're to be different from the world. You're to be in the world, you're to be working in the world, but you're not to be of the world. We are differently from those who have no relationship with Jesus Christ. I think we all know that Chick-fil-A was founded upon Christian principles. Uh, Truett Cathy, the founder of Chick-fil-A, was a very wise and, and godly man. And just this past week, I was listening to a leadership lesson uh, by Deanne Turner. She is uh, the vice president for corporate talent there. Uh, with Chick-fil-A, and, and I watched this on Right Now Media, it was a blessing to me, but, but she began to think about and, and speak to the core principles, the core values that Chick-fil-A had. Uh, honor, integrity, loyalty, and generosity were, were some of the things uh, that are excellence, not honor, excellence, integrity, um, loyalty, and gener generosity. But for you as a follower of Christ, Excellence and integrity should be involved in every single thing that you do in your life. Especially that where you work. And I think if you, if you, for those of us who frequent Chick-fil-A and love their chicken sandwiches and I love their chicken strips and Polynesian sauce, um, those of us who go there, you recognize that what they do, they do very well. It's my pleasure to serve. They, they do it very well. How much more should the people who are called to represent Jesus Christ out in the world, how much should, more should we be involved in, in doing excellent, excellent ministry? Many of you know that one of the people that I desire to see come to know Jesus Christ more than, really more than anybody, would be my dad. In fact, if you were here Christmas Day, I, I, it was just on my heart that I wanted to share the gospel with my dad when I went home for Christmas. And I was able to do that. And we were outside sitting by a fire, and we were uh, just me and him. And so I asked the question, Daddy, do you, do you ever think about giving your life to Jesus? And, and honestly, it was I asked the question after I like had this mental tug of war in my mind. You know, just sitting there, I'm like, I'm nervous, and I'm like, Oh, do I talk? Do I not talk? And then I, I, I finally, Eddie, you're just like, blah. You know, there it comes. Daddy, do you ever think about giving your life to Jesus? And it was a very brief conversation. Because he was just like, nope, don't even think about it. And then as I was preparing the, the message for, for this Sunday, thinking about your job, my mind went to my dad And a few years ago. He was working with a man who, who well, he claimed to be a follower of Christ. And I even think he was a deacon in, in his church. But the credibility for what he gave off as a follower of Christ really hurt my dad. Because daddy would just watch this guy and how he acted. And it, this guy had some of his children that worked for him. And they would come in to work late or leave early. And his dad would, would lie on their time card and say they had been there the entire time. And, and I'm just thinking, even back then and even this week, and I'm like, man, 
you're not working with integrity. You're not living with excellence. And, and what you're doing, whether you realize it or not, is, is you are destroying the credibility of many Christians who have gone before you. And, and ultimately, you're destroying the credibility of my Savior. And you're hurting my dad, helping be one of the people that is a stumbling block to my dad coming to faith in Jesus Christ. And you see, for you, when you go to your place of employment, people know that you are a follower of Christ. If you don't work with integrity and you don't work with excellence, the same thing can happen in you, in your own life. Because you, people aren't going to come to church if they don't see Jesus in you. For some people, you are the only Bible that anybody is ever going to pick up and read and get a picture of of who Jesus Christ is. And so when we go to our places of employment, we should be motivated to, to work with excellence and to work with integrity because there is a coming a day when, when Jesus Christ is going to return. And then it's going to be too late. Very quickly, and I know I've got to move on. I know what time it is. In, in verse 12, he says, we are to call to live upright lives. And I, I, could, I, could, I could talk about so much here in these verses. He said, we're called to live upright lives. Lives. There's a scholar by the name of Bruce Waltke. Waltke. He said, uh, he said this is really speaking to living justly. Now, now here's his quote. He said, in the Bible, the just are those who are willing to disadvantage themselves to advantage their community. You get it? The, the just are those who are willing to disadvantage themselves. They're willing to go and to work and, and to do things that, that are not going to be only good for them, but it's going to be for the betterment of the community. And the unjust are those who are willing to disadvantage the community so that it can advantage themselves. He said most people, think about this, most people think of being unrighteous as lying or committing adultery, and that's true. He says, but unrighteousness goes beyond that. And here's this quote. It is unrighteous to not feed the poor when you have the power to do so. It is unrighteous to be so busy with your own concerns that you can't check in on an elderly neighbor. It's our motivation. It's the return of Christ. Now, I'll move very quickly through these through these last two. And in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, well, I've got like 10 minutes to figure finish this, and so let's just dive in. Here's, here's the second thing. Let me give you a vision, a process, if you will, of what your work may look like. This may surprise you. Just like salvation is offered for all people, you saw that in chapter 2, verse 11. I want you to see this. Look at chapter 3 at the end of verse 2. Okay, and so what's our our vision? What's our uh, process of of trying to represent Jesus well? He says not to talk about people, people, not to to avoid these quarreling, these arguments. Be gentle. Now here's here's where I want to get to. To show perfect courtesy toward all people. That's not just those in the church. You show perfect courtesy, you're, you're gentle, you're kind to everybody. No, no matter what their, their, their race, no matter what, what their social class, no matter their identity, you, you just you sh- it's for the good of all people. And the same thing, you see it in the end of verse 8, that we, we are called to good works. They're excellent and they're profitable for, for all people. What you do is, is, is it should be for the benefit of the common good of society. Now, I want to, very quickly, I want to just do a little audience participation. How many of you have, like, a, a piece of fruit 
this week. Now, it, it's the beginning of the year, so we're all on, on a diet, right? Right? How many of you had a piece of fruit this, this week at, at some point? And shame on you if you did. Okay? Now, I want you to help me think through how many different jobs it takes for the piece of fruit to get from the field to the market, to the grocery store. Let's start with the obvious, a farm. Okay? What else can you think of? Farm hands. That's right. You've got to have those. What else can we think of? You've got to have a truck, a truck drive. Okay, what else can we think of? Say it again. Got to have the owner of the store. What else can you think of? Packaging. What else can you think of? Cashier. Who else? Who's going to build those trucks? You got somebody to do that? Who's going to, what are the trucks going to do? going to drive on to get from the farm to the grocery store you got to have irrigation system but what are they going to drive on no no literally what are they going to drive on they're going to drive on the road well, you got to have somebody to build a road right you got to have somebody to build the grocery store don't you do you get my point do you see how each and every one of those Places of employment are adding something that are beneficial for the common good of our society. You see, it's not just the preacher that's called into ministry. So are you. And all of these fields of vocation, it is something that is building up the common good of a community. And we as followers of Christ, we should be willing to go into all of these fields of service because when we do that, God says that's good. That's profitable. And that is an excellent thing because you, as my followers, you should be the one that are building up the community that, are, that is around you. And then as you're doing that, as you're building up the common good of the community around you, you help make disciples. You help be a witness for Jesus right there where you are. And she probably won't like me saying this, I want to brag on my wife for a moment. You know, Leanne went back to work just about a little over a year ago. And she seriously is concerned about the people that she works with. Every one of you should be. She had lunch just Friday with, with a young lady who is an unbeliever. Why is she doing that? Because she's concerned about where this girl's going to spend eternity. She's got another co-worker that she's been uh, sharing Christ with, trying to get him and his wife to come to church. They were supposed to be here. Uh, January 8th, when, when all the snow and ice came and, you know, prevented them from coming. A little while ago, he was talking about, you know, everybody does this at the beginning of the year, right? Hey, let's, they were, him and his wife were looking at a budget and, and wanting to, you know, to get their finances in order. And Leanne said, have you thought about tithing? <laughs> you know, that's pretty brash, right? <laughs> you know? The guy's not even in church. And you're like, well, if you want God to bless your tithe, fi- finances, you, you know this, but why don't you why don't you tithe? So you know what happened? I don't know how long later. At some point later, he brought her money to, for her to fill out a cashier's check for him to send his tithe to our church. Because here's what he said. I know I need to give, and you're the only person that is asking me. making a difference right where God has planted you. Think about the people that you work with. 
They need Jesus. And God has put you there to represent Jesus to them. Finally. Chapter 3, verse, just look at verse 5 and 6. It's talking about our salvation. We're not saved by works. We know that. That's not the point of this message. And so I will say this. Don't think that, you know, you think, well, I, I do this. That means I'm going to be, you know, like this great guy in God's eyes. Nope. Remember what we, we prayed last, uh, last week? There's nothing that you can do to cause you to be more loved in God's eyes. You can't do anything. Nothing you can do to be loved less in his eyes. So we're not saved by works. I'm not saying you're going to do this and, and God's going to exalt you. No, I'm just saying this is what you're called to do. We're not saved by works, but we're saved according to his own mercy by the washing of regenera- regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit whom he poured out on us richly in Jesus through Jesus Christ, our Savior. So what's our empowerment? Empowerment is, is the infilling of the Holy Spirit. In my own personal time, in my own walk with Jesus, I'm, I'm trying to work on my own spiritual health. And one of the things that the Lord has led me to do this year is just showing me how my emotional health, how it affects my spiritual health. And so just dealing with all some, some, some personal things emotionally. And one of the things I'm learning is, is that as a, as a leader in the church, I have to lead out of what God is working in me. And so it's imperative that I spend ample amount of time with Jesus on a daily basis. And that is what fuels me to be able to give out to you on a consistent basis. And that is true for you as you go into your workplace. You've got to consistently be working to be filled with the Spirit, and you do that through things like Bible study, meditation, prayer, scripture memory, journal. You know, what, what, how, whatever fits your personality the best. But if you're not taking that time to be consistently filled with the Spirit, it's going to affect how you minister where you're working. I've got a short video. I, wanna, I want you to see what this might look like if you begin to take begin to take your your calling in life very seriously. So Wesley, if you'll dim the light, we'll watch this video and then we'll have a time of invitation. I was just looking for fast life and I got mixed up in drugs. I ended up getting caught and I was sentenced to uh, prison life. But before I went, you know, I had an understanding of the Lord. I just didn't live it. And then once I got in prison, it gave me all the time I needed to study. Through my study, I realized that the Lord has blessed me with the talents of uh, being a mechanic. And once upon my release, I continued. And I asked the church if they could help me. He detailed that he needed some help with his first month's rent to start his business. And while we don't normally help people with businesses, we, we felt it a worthy uh, calling that Alfonso could not only uh, support himself with this, but he could help other people uh, through his ministry. So they had uh, gave me a, a, a check and uh, I applied it to the lease and it's been going ever since then and that's going on nine years. 
Well, I know in the scripture it says to, to, to honor everything that you do as you're doing it for the Lord. So every morning I pray about my customers. I pray about my work. If I come into some kind of a problem that I can't fix, I'll stop and I'll pray about it. And I'll just put it in God's hands and it just seems like he's there helping me. Most of the people come here, they're either hurting financially or they have gone through something similar that I'm going through. I was having vehicle troubles. I was having trouble with money at the time. Couldn't find a place to look at my vehicle. I ended up stumbling across this shop and I just came right on in and I told him my situation. We just got to talking. He started telling me about how he's a Christian, how he's changed his life. And he ended up showing me how to build a motor from scratch and asking me if I could come to work for him. I just fell in love with him as like a father figure. He's just a great person. He's a great person to work for. I go home knowing every day that if I have a problem, I have somebody to call. I was going through a really bad addiction to heroin. I was going to rehab at the same time and he kind of was my extra support. He really has helped me stay sober and get me through it. And he was interested in knowing how much mechanic knowledge I had and I told him I wanted to learn more. And he said, well, if you want, I'd be more than happy to employ you as well. And you kind of be by my side and hand me tools and just watch. And then once we get to a place where you have enough knowledge, we can start fixing cars together. Uh, one day he handed me two keys and said, these are yours. I'm going to make you manager of the shop. He is so supportive and so helpful. I can't even thank him enough. I feel like this business is the Lord's, and I believe He just entrusted me with everything that I have, and He has opened all kinds of opportunity and doors for me. And and uh, if it consists of working in an automotive field to help people, that's what I'll do. Billy Graham, I think he's given he has the right to say this. Billy Graham said that he believed that the work place field was the greatest untapped mission in America. And that's where God has placed us. That's where we're called. Why don't you pray with me and then we'll have a time where we can respond. Father, we thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to be your hands and to be your feet, Lord. That's what we're called to do. And Lord, the greatest ministry that we'll have the opportunity to do really take place outside of these walls. So, Lord, would you burden our hearts for those who don't know Christ that we interact with on a daily basis. Lord, would you give us wisdom to, to, to know how we can best represent you well We're in our places of employment. Lord, give us wisdom even in, even schools, Lord, those who are retired. Lord, you've got a place for us to serve and do great, great ministry for your kingdom. So, Lord, today, Lord, would you create a mighty movement of, of your spirit, empower us to seek your faith to do great ministry.
listen, you guys agree to stand. And, and here's what I'll ask you during the invitation. If you're here this morning, you don't know Jesus, you don't know the hope of, of His resurrection, the hope you don't have a hope of His return. You never want to close the service without giving you an opportunity to do that. But then secondly, how have you been ministering where God called you to work? You know, if he's, if he's, maybe if he's putting people on your heart right now, maybe today you just want to begin to pray for that person. And maybe, you know, it's not just, you know, you don't pray for them today and then here. No, you, you begin to lift that person up on a consistent basis and seek ways that you can minister to them. But today, may you begin to see your, your ministry in a different way.